It's time once again for another episode of the American Gods podcast presented by Freaking Geeks Media. The podcast that covers the latest news, episodes, and discussion regarding Neil Gaiman's seminal novel and its television adaptation. Thanks for listening if this is your first time, and if it isn't, welcome back. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Here are your hosts for the episode, Michael and Sarah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Sarah. Hey, Godlings. All right, Sarah. So we did Iron Man a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, are we doing... I thought we were doing... Oh. That's first. Did I have a stroke? No, no. See, hey. <laughs> well, I also tell everybody, we are recording a couple of different things <laughs> tonight, and uh, I just got screwed up with uh, which one we were recording. But uh, we're recording American Gods, not Iron Man 2, which is what we'll be doing next. Um, yeah, you know, leave it to me to screw up the intro. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you want to start it over? No, no, no. Everybody can, you know get a nice insight as to how prepared I am apparently for whichever <laughs> thing we're recording. Super professional. That's, I've only been doing this for how long? Oh God, I, can't, I stopped counting. <laughs> yeah, it's like what, 2013 I think? Or oh, yeah, really? some 2014, <laughs> I can't remember. Ugh, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's been a, a long ass time. It's been, it's been a while. Um, apparently I've, I haven't gotten any better, so. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So anyway, we are doing uh, a review for the latest episode of American Gods. So this is uh, the greatest story ever told. The greatest story ever told. (laughs) The greatest story ever told. Um, We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Um, All right. So anyway, the uh, the rundown here is that this was released on April. Was it uh second? Yeah. April No. No. Okay. <laughs> we should just restart. We're just terrible. Apparently we're just the worst. We are we are the worst. It was actually uh the thirty first. Yeah, it was March thirty first. March thirty first. Yeah, I can't even get that right. All right. It was written by Peter Calloway and Aditi Brennan Capil. It was directed by Stacy Passon and it has a runtime of fifty three minutes. So uh before we get into anything else, let's do Geek Speak. So, um, the first thing we're going to talk about is the Joker trailer. Yes, uh, dropped you, today. Yep, it dropped today, and I am surprised at how good it looks. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I remember when they had announced that um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix was going to be the Joker, and I was kind of like, eh, okay, you know what? I'm I'm curious. But I really had no faith in it. But this trailer, you know, it really makes me want to go see it. It looks like it's taking, like, anybody who, you know, knows the Joker, knows about Heath Ledger. And his was, like, iconic. Like, you'll never be able to touch that. And I like that they're not going to try. They've gone, like, a totally different route. They're going for a far more, like, realistic. They're telling us the why story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. A lot of people like, oh, you don't want to like give the Joker a why because that ruins it. But like, you know what? We've seen enough of just pure chaos. It would be interesting to take that path. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to, you know, show the stuff. Yeah, this looks grounded to me. It, it appears like they're going to get, well, the, 
The comment by the director, Todd Phillips, is that this is going to be a tragedy. It looks it. And it looks it. And I, I think that could be the appropriate route to take. And even with Heath, Heath, uh, Heath, Heath Ledger's Joker, it, it he kind of – well, whether you believed any of the stories he gave as to why he is the way he is or kind of like his backstory, if any of them are true, they all were tragic. And I think that's the appropriate, you know – storyline to give the joker you know it's it's a it's set in i believe the late 70s or the early 80s um it's new york city and you know we're gonna see his character i think dealing with the evil he sees around him every day and how he's dealing with mental illness it appears like his mother is dealing with mental illness as well in this trailer he's taking care of her he's taking care of her and then i believe along with the mental illness that he's suffering from, just the the constant abuse, the physical, mental, and emotional abuse that he suffers will eventually kind of turn him into the Joker, is the way I see this trailer. And it is very realistic. It, it appears like it's like an art house, you know, character study kind of film. Uh, I don't expect to see superheroes in battles or anything like that. It's not. It's This is a quiet, introspective uh movie i think that's gonna you know from time to time be laced with violence and uh that the violence that you see is the transformative violence and the transformative uh is gonna be applying to obviously the joker so i think it's pretty cool and i'm I'm kind of excited to see uh what they do here i i think it's really cool that um Zazzy Beats is going to be um, alongside him, and that was Domino in Deadpool 2. Yeah, yeah. So she's she, crossed over. <laughs> yeah, and we don't know what her role is. We don't know if she's like his girlfriend or some woman that's a friend or just something, you know, somebody he's interested in. Or even like some, a Carrie that checks in like a couple times a week kind of thing. Who so, knows? So what are, what are your other uh, general impressions before we move on? I I think it looks really fantastic. I think he just he's nailing like oh my god, it's so creepy when you're looking at his back and his arms are kind of like flexed out and it's just it looks like almost like a bird carcass. It's it's so interesting to look at. He's manipulating his body in a really cool way. So I think that's really fascinating too. I I really hope that Todd Phillips like pushes for like an R rating and that we get this really serious you know, mental look at mental illness and how it can escalate if untreated and just not, you know, no one helps you. Oh, yeah. I just, I really hope that they honor that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So it does look good. So be interested to see that when it comes out. Totally. All right. So, um, a recommendation and I did the, an episode this morning, uh, Jacob and I did a, uh, episode, uh, for what did we record? I've recorded so many things. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of getting it's, it's like it. getting it's getting like ridiculous how many things I'm I've been recording. Um we did Thor this morning. That's uh-huh. what we did. And um uh so you know if you've listened to that episode, you're gonna uh, I've already heard this recommendation. Uh I'll also be doing this in the next episode for Iron Man 2. But uh The Rook by Daniel O'Malley. So this is a, a book that I stumbled upon uh a few years ago. Uh, it wasn't a recommendation from anybody. I just was in the the bookstore. I I saw it. I read the 
uh, cover. It looked interesting, and I bought it. And you know, every once in a while, you buy or you read a book that nobody's told you about, and it it it's surprising, you know, when you find something that's so so good, and uh, it's like this little secret thing that you found that is so amazing, and you know, nobody told you to read it, uh, and that's some of the best. It's like kind of finding a band, you know, when you're in high school and nobody else that you know has ever listened to them and they're so amazing. And then, you know, a year later, they're everywhere, you know, but yeah. you were somebody that caught on to them before anybody else ever did, you know? You get to feel good about that. <laughs> right. And so The Rook is actually, it's going to be a TV show and it comes yeah. out this summer. Yes, it, it is. So, uh, Sarah, you've never read The Rook, have you? Nope, never even heard of it. Okay, so this is uh, the author is from Australia, and he, I don't know if he still works in, in Australian government um, or if he has quit, but he did work at, at least at one time in the Australian government, and so he understands bureaucracy, and that plays a role in this book now. Before your eyes glaze over, <laughs> so it, it, let me just kind of give you uh, the general setup, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal the opening page to this book because it's not really gonna be a spoiler. It's the opening page. So, and tell me if this sounds interesting. So, the opening uh, page or two of this book is uh, a woman stand is standing in the rain in in the middle of a park, and it's at night, and there are some bodies all around her. As as it happens, you know. As as what as yeah, as what happens, and all the bodies, all the men, are have uh, latex gloves on. So doctors. Yep. Or well, she she has no idea who these people are, and she has no idea who she is either. And uh, she reaches in the pocket of her coat and pulls out a note, and the note is written by her, and it's written by whoever used to be in this body, as in the person who was born into this body, right? Uh, it's gone. That person is gone now. And it turns out that uh, it was written by a woman named Miffany Thomas, who is warning her that she knew this was going to happen, that one day her, her memories would disappear and who she is and who she was would be gone. And, Part of the mystery of this book is finding out why that happens. But there's also uh, a supernatural element uh, to this book as well in that um, let's just say that the inside the government there is um, a group of people, a, an agency that uh, deals with some things in, that uh, maybe people – wouldn't want to deal with, let's say, a supernatural element, put it that way. I'd want to deal with that. <laughs> well, then you want to read this book because it's awesome. <laughs> so it it comes from the point of view of this of this woman. Um, she's in her early 30s and she is, is essentially a newborn in that, I mean, she – her personality and who she is. And, and now she has to try to pretend that she's this Miffany Thomas because she has to, and there are reasons behind it and things she has to find out. And there's a mystery and it's, it's funny and it is well-written and it is great. And there's also a sequel to this book called Stiletto that came out a couple of years ago. And I'm, I'm desperately hoping that a, the show is good and that uh, we get another book 
from Daniel O'Malley. So check out The Rook. I highly recommend it. It is fantastic. And I'm pretty sure I'll be recommending, or at least I'm hoping I'll be recommending the series when it comes out here in a few months. Yeah, hopefully they actually, you know, it becomes a good adaptation. Oh, Because <laughs> there's so many bad adaptations. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for it. I'm, I'm like totally like psyched for it. So... <laughs> All right. Speaking so, of adaptations. <laughs> speaking of adaptations. So um, let's uh, let's go on and talk about this episode. So the one sentence review, and uh, this is mine. It's very short. And uh, the, it says, the greatest story ever told is not the best episode ever written. <laughs> so. When you told me that, I really like busted my side. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty perfect. <laughs> so what like, is yours? Don't get me wrong, like I don't hate this episode. It's better than the last one, but I think that's quite accurate. <laughs> um, so for mine, I wrote that uh, this is a slowdown for the previous episode. It allows us to have some, you know, sweet, savory sips while also we're crossing into some ridiculous territory. Okay. Uh, sometimes that can be a good thing and sometimes it could be a bad thing. And it's not the greatest thing, this one. <laughs> All right, so the plot synopsis here is pretty simple. While Shadow and Mr. Wednesday take a secret meeting in St. Louis, uh, Bill Quist arrives at the funeral home in Cairo where she engages in a debate with Mr. Nancy and Mr. Ibis, and uh, Laura rejoins Mad Sweeney. Did I miss it? I, don't, I didn't see Laura at all this episode. Oh, that's right. Duh. No, why did I put that? That's stupid. Uh, because I was wondering that, like, I remember, like, I even heard something about somebody talking about Laura on the internet. I'm like, I didn't even see her this episode. And that just made me sad that, you know, I think we didn't get Laura. We didn't get Matt Sweeney. Oh, that's right. We didn't we, get them. Yeah, that's right. We're not even getting, like, Chernabog, uh, like, none, nobody else. A ton of our, like, main characters were just kind of, like, nowhere to be found right now. <laughs> Yeah, there's um, definitely stuff I want to talk about in regards to that. Um, I, I have some complaints, and it, I guess it's not just isolated to this episode. It's kind of been oh, building wow. for me um, as the episodes have gone by. Um, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about this episode, though. Uh, in regards to the lack of the characters here that we've been following, um, look, I know with shows, you need to expand. You know, you're going to introduce new characters and, and other characters are going to die and, and things like that. It's just kind of the way it goes. But one of the problems I have with this season, and this episode is kind of emblematic of that, uh, the whole season, I think, is just the, the way the characters seem to be coming in and out of the show. Um, I understand you're going to get introduced to, to new characters, but other characters in this show seem to disappear for stretches. Now, I like I'm, almost entirely right, and and look, I, I get it. Every once in a while, it's nice to take a couple of characters, you know, take them out of an episode so you can focus on other people. So, not seeing Mad Sweeney and Laura, like I'm not happy about it, just because I think they are two of the best things about this show. Yeah, but, they really are. Like, it's fun to watch them. But you know, the thing is, um. It's. I'm not holding that against this episode per se. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, hey, they're not in this episode, so this episode sucks, or I'm, you know, going to mark this down as a negative against the episode because it's not. I can't inherently mark down an episode just because a couple of characters are given a week off. 
uh, because that can sometimes actually be a good thing. It allows you to focus on other characters and not have to, you know, spend time with uh, a couple of characters that, uh, you know, maybe you need to just take a little time away from. But at the same time, what's really emblematic of this season, and we see it in this episode, is a lot of other characters are just not around. Or, you know, like, okay, Chernabog. Yeah, where's he at? But here, let me ask you a question. Where's Shaquille? I know, like, wait, he wait. Isn't, hasn't showed up at all. Like, we've been at this, at the um, uh, mortuary uh, house, and we see Ivis. He's in a lot of scenes, and love him to pieces. But where the fuck is Shaquille? Because <laughs> he hasn't shown up at all this season. He was like, in, is he out yep. too? I don't know. I have no idea, and we don't know. I mean... You know this. There's make. There's no. There's no point in not having Jaquel around. I mean, he should be there. He's there in the book. He plays. Um. You know. I, I mean. I don't know. Maybe not a hugely prominent role, but you know, his role was there, and he was in there in season one, and he. He had a. There's a pro, like a point to his existence, and I don't understand why he's not in this episode. I don't know why. He wasn't in last episode. Last episode, I was kind of frustrated by it, but I didn't really mention it, I believe, in the uh, episode last week. But I thought, okay, if we end up staying in Cairo, which we did complain about, you know, last week about how this felt like one of those instances where we would just show up to this place and then leave. But to their credit, they did stay in Cairo. Cool. Mm -hmm. Fine. Great. But not having Jaquelle, it may not seem like a big deal. But, you know, but there's a, a continuity kind of thing you have to, you know, maintain. And if you have Jaquel in this uh, show last year, in the first season, and then you don't have him here, you don't have him in this episode. And that makes no sense considering that he is, you know, somebody who would be here in this uh, funeral home. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to look it up to see. Yeah, I mean... Um, that's just kind of a problem that I have, but you know, we're seeing characters go in and out of the show. We don't understand really where the focus is. It just, the focus isn't there. I mean, there is no focus. It seems like we're being, it's like we're being spread out too much in a lot of ways, right? He's I not mean, listed in any of the episodes. Right. So basically he, he, it sounds like he's not even being brought back. Ugh. And it just mm. Which is which is frustrating. It yeah, is. they made a fuss about Jillian Anderson and Chris and Chenoweth, as you should. But I hate the fact that they don't even mention that he's not coming back. Like that pisses me off. You need to tell us these things. You know, I didn't even think of looking to see if he was coming back because I didn't I didn't expect just he, I just assumed he would be here. if we got to Cairo, I assumed Jaquel would be there. Um Alright, so that really is kind of irritating. You know, I mean, yeah. there's nothing about him not coming back. Uh, I don't know what that's about. I don't know if uh, he just left because he, he didn't agree with what was going on or if he was told he wasn't coming back. I don't know. But at the end of the day, that's that's frustrating for me um, personally. And apparently, we won't see Cloris Leachman again. No, no. Either. She, she's, I looked yeah. up that up too. Yeah, she's gone. Um, all right. So, you know, we don't have that. Uh, we don't have Shaquille, we don't have uh, Chernabog is not around and I, I think that in this season 
what's been frustrating is that uh, we're seeing characters split off, going off on their own journeys and, and things like that. And, you know, you can do that sometimes, but at other times it's nice if you have a focus, more of a focus on the, the group as, as a whole together. Uh, when you're branching off in like two or three different storylines and trying to accommodate all that, it's difficult to find a way to kind of tie all those things together and make them resonate. Um, I I would be fine with it if I felt like the writers knew what they were doing to enough of a degree that they could pull that off, and I just don't think they can. At least they, I don't feel like they've shown that so far. But in this episode, um, you know, one of the hallmarks of this season, and not in a good way, is there's a lack of personal stakes this season for the yeah, characters. I so. I don't feel like anybody's in any danger. Not really. I mean, okay, yes, you know, Shadow got uh, taken uh, at the end of the premiere, but for the most part, what where's the personal stakes for any of the characters? I'm not feeling it, and in this episode, I wasn't feeling it. Like, I don't feel like anybody's in any real real danger. Uh, I don't think Mr. World is nearly as creepy or as terrifying as he was in the first season. Um, Not up to this point. I will say this episode, he stepped it up a bit, but it's still nowhere near the first season. No. Yeah, so the personal stakes uh, not being there, that's a problem. Um, I will add that we won't see Trinabog again, and we won't see Mama G again for the rest of the season. Yeah. That makes well, you know what? I mean, you're doing all these reshoots, you can't get everybody back. You know, everyone's got you know projects and stuff. Yeah. You know, these aren't these are actors that are in demand, at least you know demand enough that they've got shooting schedules. They can't just be brought back willy nilly to to reshoot episodes. So, um, so that that's frustrating. All right, so let's um, let's talk about yet another episode that has us running off to beat another god who then disappears at the end of the episode. <laughs> you know like like what, it, just, it, on. <laughs> it feels like you know it's just like a groundhog day like chase down another god you know it's like a, almost like a procedural you know element to this yeah. uh this show now it's where safe. right it, we we have another episode where you have to find yet another god you know wednesday is like hey come join us do this do this whatever and it's like if we doing this again and again and again, like can we at least break this up a little bit? You know, does it have to be every every damn episode? We have to go meet yet another god who um they just they don't stick around. There's no staying power for any of these gods, right? I mean, either they die, right? Or they just disappear. They're like, no, I'm not interested, or whatever the outcome happens to be. Um, and they just go away. And it's like, okay, well that was lackluster that that yeah, god obviously it's not it, they're not important they're not, if they're not important enough to stick around to join them to have any lasting impact then why do we care i don't care i don't care about the god of money you know yeah seriously i mean i understand like he's a powerful I, I would imagine he's the god of money you know he would be extremely powerful he might be the most unpower most powerful god period but at the same time, like, I don't care about them. Yeah. What's their importance? This doesn't mean anything to us. Yeah. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on any of this? I'm in total agreement. And you know who I wish would come back so Laura could have more of a story is Audrey. Yeah. 
I've been thinking about her the last few episodes and like, can we please bring her back so we can, you know, have someone opposite of Laura other than Matsumi? Like, not like, again, they're like the two of the best, like the most interesting parts of this series, but I'd still like Laura to be able to talk, talk to someone other than Shadow, Sweeney, or Odin. Like, come on, you gotta flush her out a bit more than we've been doing. It's just... Man, the more it, I think about it, the angrier I'm getting. It's, it's, you know, the thing is, pairing her up with Mad Sweeney was a great service to Laura as a character in season one. Yeah. The problem now is that, and don't get me wrong, their interactions are great. I love it. But it also starts to feel like a bit of a crutch, too, uh, because they only seem to be leaning in with that, with that relationship. And Laura and Shadow don't seem to be to be really doing much this season either. You know, not really. I'm still not feeling like they're if you want to pay more attention to the Shadow Laura relationship, then try to do something with it. I, I don't feel like they've really managed to do much here, um, even in this episode, really. Um obviously well well, I guess no, I guess she's not in this episode. They don't do anything. But in the last episode I really didn't feel like they did much. Um it just it, it doesn't feel like they have found a clear storyline for these characters. I, I feel everything's a bit muddled. They're they're slapping stuff against the wall, hoping it'll it'll stick, and it's not sticking, or at least not enough of it is sticking. And I agree with what you said. I I think Audrey would be a great character because the a it would add another female dynamic and a female mortal. By the way, mm-hmm. um, also it would give it would give us a chance to see Laura through Audrey's eyes. Yeah, exactly. And and not I mean what we got last year was fine, but I mean that was just Laura Hay came back and you know she knows about Laura. She knows. She she she's had a relationship with Laura for quite some time. So she could give Laura another um opinion through a different lens, a lens that isn't somebody who's a, a god or someone who's compromised to a certain extent like Shadow. Yeah, so exactly. So that to me is is a problem. And, um, you know, there's just – there's not enough, uh, I think, attention paid to each character saying, what do we want to bring out with this character and how do we go about doing that? And how do we go about doing that in the most effective way? And, yeah, I think Audrey would be a great one. But unfortunately, no. <laughs> like this season is seriously weakening the female characters. Like last season, there was a lot of things. Like the, just even the script was just perfect for like like Billquist this season. Like first season, you know, she embodied goddess. You know, we got a bit of her past, and you know, people worshipped her. And, you know, that was the standard which she lived, and now it feels like she is, like, grabbing for attention at times. And, like, getting almost no longer just humble, but greedy. And always being seeking the attention out of other men instead of men seeking her attention. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. I mean, I mean, the way she was framed last season, her character... Um, she, I mean, yes, she eventually fell low and, and then the new gods were, you know, kind of using her, you know, to, uh, you know, finding, helping her basically 
find a new way to to reach more people and everything. But you know, the way she was initially framed and the way we saw her backstory and everything. I mean, she was a she was powerful. She was mesmerizing. And yes, men you know, like seeked her out. I mean, we saw her envelop one in the in the first episode. <laughs> like you they know? did not ease us in. They're just like watch this woman swallow this guy with her vagina. Like it was just no holding back whatsoever. And this season, we haven't even come close to seeing anything as you know jaw dropping as that. Anything that sparks that kind of like. Oh my god! I can't believe they put this on TV. This is amazing, type of thing. Right, and you know Brian Fuller is known for that. I mean, yeah. that that's part of what he did. I mean, he he kind of just goes for it, yeah. you know. But and then Michael Green, yep. And and you know the thing is, um, we just don't seem to have much of uh, a sense of real style in this season. I mean, there's a a token attempt, I think, to try to replicate as much of that as they can, but it feels like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. You're like the sixth copy in and the colors are faded a bit and it's a bit off center. You know, it it's not the same. It's not even close. And and I just don't feel like they're they're not trying to um I think adequately enough replicate what, what Brian Fuller has done. I mean it's it's the general style is their general style, but it's the details. It's uh you know, let's say the devil's in the details, and uh, while the general look and style may seem the same, it, it does it lacks a lot of the details that made Brian Fuller's episodes uh, really pop, and that goes with the writing and the direction. Yeah, yeah definitely. And like I've been thinking about like Bill Quist. I wonder if Neil Gaiman is trying to just put in what came from his book. And I will be just heartbroken if he decides to degrade her to that. And that's like, spoiler alert, everybody, like, skip ahead 30 seconds if you do not want to hear a big spoiler about Philquist. But if he ends up, you know, if they end up cutting her out this season, I will be really, really upset, especially if they take her out the way they did in the book. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do, but uh, it's. Uh, but then again, she's one of the few people that's hanging on. So at least at the, at the moment. You can't cut her out. All right. So, you know, in this episode, um, we, a lot of things uh, kind of get set up here. Um, there's a, a lot of conversations, uh, call them like triangle conversations where you have like three different characters talking you know and uh, one conversation is between uh, Mr. Nancy Ibis and Bilquis and it's you know there's the the figure of uh, Lila Goodchild and she's kind of lying on this table and you got these three gods essentially talking over her you know, yeah. and around her. Over her corpse. Over her corpse. Which she's not even autopsying properly, just gonna say, because that was one thing that extremely bothered me. Like, there's literally a scene, you know, where he's cutting the skin back, but there's a scene where he's talking to, I think, Mr. Nancy, and he's still cutting, but he's just cutting air. It bothered me so much. I'm just like, can somebody just reshoot that? Like, 
like little details like that just come on guys you're better than this yeah and you know look we have a a nice uh speech by nancy yeah Um, like he evokes some strong emotions when he speaks you know I, i i agree um Obviously, there's a lot of uh, racial inequalities uh, kind of alluded to, obviously, given the the speech. But but I feel like his point falls flat because you know he's referring to Zoria as, you know, everyone cares about this old white lady. Well, guess what? She's not an old white lady. She's a god. You know, it's it, your point is void when you're talking about this because and even so, only Odin and Chernobog gave a damn. Nobody else has said anything except for you now. So. the point you're trying to make it's a valid one but you're not delivering (laughs) right i mean like you have uh ibis who's kind of neutral right i mean he's like he treats everybody more or less the same like he doesn't exactly you know uh you know and then you right and like bilquis she kind of starts from the the one side and then she kind of eventually sides with nancy you know she 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 kind of comes around basically you know because nancy's Uh the kind of figure who can pull people in with his uh, personality and his speeches um and look i mean this is interesting too but you know it's also between three black gods and Mm -hmm. it kind of wish it was not you know like this would be a little more effective if this was a speech between uh, maybe a, a god of of you know if you had like a native god or czech god like it doesn't have to like. Why can't we have other? I I feel bad being like a white person saying this, right? Like it's such a delicate line to cross because like their points are valid. Yeah. But there should be other races represented as well. Yeah, actually, have a more a more interesting conversation, I suppose. But that being said, it still is interesting, and I will say this: I think there is a point to this conversation, and we may not see it right away, but. It, it could also be, you know, these three gods are, might eventually be kind of teaming up and we might see the repercussions of these three and what their uh, goals might be. You know, whether those goals are all lined together or there's some overlap, I don't know. But um, it'll be interesting to see what they do here with these gods because it feels like bringing them together wasn't just for this specific, you know, conversation. Like there's more to it. Yeah. So that's that's something that could be uh, good moving forward and then this poor grieving person i kind of half feel bad for her because like you have two gods that are talking with you and each other and they're making their points that have nothing to do with you but you're interpreting them as they are speaking to you and i like her one-on-one with vilquis but i just kind of feel bad for her like let the girl just pray Ugh. Yeah, I, uh, I wonder what they're going to do with that, you know, because, you know, she has this, like, new follower now, so this new believer. Yeah, so. and like, she is lovely. She's, I, I can just see she's really good acting. I just, uh, we're introducing so many new characters. Can we not focus on the characters we have? Yeah, it's, they're trying to spread too much, out too much, and not kind of narrow the focus a little bit, which is what they kind of should do. I feel like they should do. Yeah. Um. So, Shadow then has sex with the cat. So there's there's that, which um, is so disappointing. Like it, this was a great scene in the book, 
and yeah. it was very flat. It, it's bast, and um, it felt it doesn't have any of the, I guess the, okay. So go back to season one. Any of the sex scenes were just very. They were very well steamy. done. They were steamy, very erotic. I mean, look what he was able to get away with on Hannibal, and that was on network television, by the way. Yeah, seriously, um, those things were risky. Yeah, for network television, that was that was pretty risky, but. You know, and we could, yes, we get to see um, Shadow naked, and, and I suppose that's a nice equalizer, you know, with the, the female nudity and everything, so women can smile and, you know, all that. Yeah, just, if you <clears throat> have them turn around, then you have something going. <laughs> all right. So, you know, I mean, yeah, but it wasn't, I don't like how it was shot. I, I thought no. that it, it it seemed very like, hey, we need some nudity in here. And I know that that's what the scene is, and I, and I get that. But, you know, I feel like it could have been a lot better. And even the nudity, it's like the camera briefly goes over her breast for like not even a second. And they're like, okay, let's make this PG again. It pulls back. It's like, really? It's like, first episode, first season. Bilquis is entirely naked. You see everything. Can we not um, amp it up just a little bit, please? We make it better than this. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, it's again. It's like I said. It, it's kind of emblematic of of this season versus last season. I mean, I mean, even this scene, it's like they're trying, but they're not really giving it the all-out effort they need to in order to reach something of what last season was like. You know, it's just a, a pale imitation of a similar scene that we would have seen last season that would have yeah. been done with some, you know, I, I wrote here on my notes, I said, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of just say it right now. I said, the show still feels like it's, this is what I wrote. The show still feels like it's lacking the spirit and panache of season one. It appears like everyone's putting forth a ton of effort, but the end product feels like everyone is going through the motions. So you can tell that everyone is putting forth a ton of effort. I mean, you, you know, they're working their butt off. Yep. Like that's not lost on me. I'm not, I'm not. I don't sit here and think oh, everyone's just kind of half-assing it, right? I, I mean, I get it. They're all putting forth a ton of effort. It just it feels like everyone's going through the motions, and it's because it feels like it's it's working at about sixty percent capacity. You know what they're capable of doing, or at least sixty percent compared to what I think season one was. And I'm not sitting here and kind of try to say that season one was a perfect season. It wasn't. I mean, season one had its problems, right? But it more often than not, um, if there were problems in episodes, they were they ma- they made up for it with a lot of different things in those episodes. I mean, there was just so much style there. I mean, some people said, "Hey, you know, style over substance," and I would say to a degree, I can I can see you know that a little bit at times, but uh, but man, there was the style was there, you know. Uh, the problem here is there isn't a whole lot of substance, I think, and unfortunately, there isn't the style to kind of make up for that. Yeah, yeah, no, so, totally agreement. <laughs> um, and another thing here, I I don't know about you, but Shadow continues to feel shunted off to the side to me. <laughs> totally, like is. he's like, he's like, like, he's like your main character. Or... Yeah, he's like uh, I mean, other than last week, his narrative this season hasn't been particularly strong. You know. No. Like, I, I don't. He I don't gets know. like a couple words in an episode. And and I, I, he's your main character. He's the the person you should be seeing this through the world through. And yet at the same time, it's it feels like he's being slowly pushed off to the side more and more. Where other characters like Nancy and and you know whoever is just kind of taking over. Yep. 
It's, he truly it, is just like Mr. Wednesday's sideman, and there's nothing more to him at this point. He's our main guy. Like, like I know he's reclusive in the book, and you're always listening to his thoughts. But this is an adaptation. You gotta, you gotta adapt to you know putting it on screen and having his inside thoughts somehow put out into <laughs> outside thoughts. And actually have him, like, talk a bit, make the situations that can evoke it. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, And then we have the stuff with the technical boy. Yeah, Bruce Langley is one of my favorite people in the show. Yeah. He is fantastic. He is fantastic. Look, look, I can complain about the writing and I can complain. I can complain about the dialogue they give him. I can complain about the writing generally but um i can't complain about bruce langley as an actor because i think he does an amazing job he's one of the reasons to watch this show absolutely you know, um you know if, if mr nancy and, and wednesday um and i would say laura mad sweeney and technical boy are all the the characters that make you want to watch this uh the show uh He's uh he's up there with the most important of them, obviously for a reason. Definitely. Um, I I I, I don't know what they're gonna do here. I I don't, I'm trying to figure out if this is just one of those temporary things, which I'm guessing it will be. I can't imagine that. Uh, I can't imagine Bruce Langley's like leaving the show, although. No, he's gonna be in every episode. Okay. <laughs> I already checked that after. I was like, I didn't check. You know, I'm thinking like, oh boy, the retiring technical boy, great, wonderful. Um, but I don't know. Um, you know, I I can see why they're trying to do it. It it's creating, it's creating a storyline in which technical boy has to kind of question who he really is and. I think a fair point to think about is that technology isn't just something that's existed today. You know, we think of tech, yeah, technology. I mean, technology's always existed. I mean, it may have been primitive, may have been rudimentary. The wheel was technology. Right. And so you could almost argue in a lot of ways the technical boy is an old god who's just simply, um, you know, he, he evolved. Well, he's 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 evolved. I mean, yeah, I, I, the way he's presented. I think the way he's presented in the book, it was it was kind of very thinking only about present day technology. Whereas exactly. I think this has allowed them to think, hey, you know, technology has always really existed. So really, think about it. Technical boy is actually an old god. Maybe he went through like the same thing Argus did, where you know you die. But you reborn in a different era. Same thing with media. Like she died and now she's in new media. Right. So maybe. Maybe this is. New technology. Technical boy. Yeah. So this is interesting. Uh, It kind of presents the opportunity to think of this as some gods actually simply evolve. So they're old and they never really, they don't really fit into, into, well, I think in his case, I don't know that he really fits into the new or old. I think he just is, you know, he is and always has been. You know, so uh, I think it's going to test where his allegiances lie, and it could very well, in fact, be that we might see him actually join the old gods, which um, I deeply hope for. I, I can you that, imagine yeah. like him just talking to the old gods? Just that makes me happy thinking about it. If it is, it, it could be something that the show really needs to do. It might introduce a dynamic <laughs> that is good. You know, uh, need mixing, is a good you know, word for that because yes, it definitely is, does need it, it. They they need to do something. I'm sorry that this. 
I know you're higher on this episode, and I get why. There are certain things in this episode that really are um, good. You know, there's good things, but man, I I was just I was disappointed. You know, by large portions of the episode, I, yeah. I didn't I didn't like it. So, and by the way, the um the guy that replaced Technical Boy, he's not going to be in another episode. Of course not. Because <laughs> why would you bring in a new technical guy to be your like? I don't know what they're going to do with him, but they've clearly fired Bruce Langley. <laughs> it's like, why would you bring this new guy in and we're never going to see him again? <laughs> That's what we do here. Like I said, we it's like going after a new god each episode. It's like single-serving characters, you know? It's like yeah. they're there for a, a quick energy boost, you know, the sugar boost, and then you're you're gone. And, and he made this interesting... Um, backstory to this guy, like it was actually fascinating. Yeah, it was fascinating. And I did. I liked to it to see how he could translate music into technology, yep. mm-hmm. and you get like the disappointment of his father and Bruce Lent and Technical Boy. Apparently, has been his friend for a long time. Like Technical Boy has some emotions and a well, little bit of humanity. Like that's interesting. And t- I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be honest. I think that storyline that we saw was the most effective thing in the entire episode to me. Yes, I was more affected by that than I was, and that I actually I've been I was more affected by that than I've been by anything in this entire season. <laughs> I mean, that, I'm sorry that that's not a a plus for this uh, series right <laughs> no, now. No, I'm trying to think, and I'm kind of agreeing with you. I mean, I actually sat there. I, I you know what? It's one of the reasons why my my script grade is higher than it is. Yeah, and yeah. and that's not a good thing because the script grade isn't particularly high. <laughs> So, oh, you're totally right. That is probably the best thing this season so far. And and to feel that it's just this kind of side, you know, storyline thing that we see, you know, this uh, never to be, you know, never to touch on this guy again. Yeah, the, look, the opening, the opening, you know, uh, sequence in this uh, episode was excellent. You know, yeah, and and that's that's there it is. So, all right, it is so by, by far the opening sequence of this episode was the best thing in this uh in this whole season. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, All right. the concept that Tentacle Boy had a friend that yep. just betrayed him. That's I'm I wanna see more of this. Yeah, because it's effective, at least the way they presented it. Yeah, definitely. All right. So what's your uh your grade for the uh script for this uh, week's script, episode? I gave it a seventy nine. You gave it a seventy-nine. Okay. Um, I gave it a seventy-three. Or did I give it a seventy-three? Actually, what <laughs> did I give it? Ah, uh, you gave it over there. Uh, seventy-three. Yeah. I gave it a seventy-three. Okay, just making sure. Uh, all right. So, um, acting in this episode. <laughs> it's it's like we. Can't really. I think the acting is going to be one thing that stays steady for every episode. I think for the most part. I mean, you could go up or down based on you know maybe some new, new actors that come on and don't do a good job or whatever. But I think it's pretty good. I gave it an eighty-five, and I'm I'm guessing you pretty close. Same score. Same score. 80, 85. Okay, eighty-five. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like our main characters that we see like time and time again are always fantastic, and you know they brought in this new guy to kind of take over for technical point but his his part was great but then you have the cat and hers was not that great and so it's kind of like i'm gonna even it out at the score of 85 okay 
Uh, all right, so um, I uh, gave directing a 75. This is for the director, Stacy Passone. I gave her an 80, and that's because I like the style of this of this episode a lot more than I do, say, the last episode or even the second episode. I, I don't know if she's... <laughs> I could be, like, contradicting myself and saying, like, if she's directed or any of the other episodes, but I like the style of this episode quite a bit more. Like, it, it makes me think of the second episode, and I, I kind of like that vibe a bit. Like, it's a little more slower, a little more detail-oriented, but I wish they were putting more into it. Yeah, I guess I can see where you're coming from. I mean, I'll stick with my grade, but I, I definitely, I guess I could agree with what you're saying. It does seem a little more stylistic than uh, past episodes. Uh, maybe a little more attention paid to some of these um, sequences and just slowing everything down. You're able to actually, you know, create an effective uh, bit of uh, set design from time to time, which is nice. Uh, not feeling like we have a two-second conversation and then off to the next uh, location for another two-second conversation and you know, we'll just hop in a car and talk while you drive. <laughs> um, all right, so special effects. Uh, I gave it an 80. Uh, special effects, I gave it an 80 as well. You gave it, okay, you gave it an 80. Yeah, I think that's something else we'll be pretty consistent on. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um... All right, and then, uh, well, yeah, I mean, special effects, it's an 80. Uh, you know, it's kind of been around the same this uh, this season. Um, I think they're they're not bad. I don't think they're they're great or anything, but there are times where I feel like the special effects do stand out. Uh, but overall, I think it's an 80, and I think that's probably fair. Uh, pacing is a 73. Uh, <clears throat> that's... They slowed everything down, which is fine. Like I have no problem with them slowing the pace of an episode down. The, the pacing itself in, is that uh, it's a problem when there isn't much to. There's not much story here, yeah. and uh, slowing it down probably was done somewhat on purpose because there was so little story to tell. They needed to slow it down or to fill up the fifty-three minute runtime. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of splitting between the different characters, you know, I was, I was talking about how, like, there was several scenes, you know, in this episode that had three different characters speaking and, you know, having conversations. So you had technical boy, um, you know, God of money and, uh, Mr. World. And then, or no, no, it wasn't, uh, uh, media, sorry, media. Mm -hmm. And then of course you had, uh, Bilquis and Ibis and, uh, um, who's the other one? I'm pulling a blank. Uh, uh um, Nancy. Uh, Nancy, and and uh, uh, of course Ruby in the chapel. Right, Ruby in the chapel. So, you know, I had these all these characters, different conversations, and I think they were trying to set those up as a way of creating some interesting conversations. And you know, they they kind of were. You know, there were some conversations that had some attempt at creating some substance, but um. There, there's so little to do in this episode. I, on a, an optimistic person, would look at this and say, "Well, you know, this episode has been dedicated to character development. You know, 
And there is a little bit that of that here and there, but it's not nearly as strong as they probably could have made it. Uh, I didn't feel like it was as effective as they probably thought it was going to be. Uh, slowing it down is fine by me, but there's so little story here in this episode to tell that um, it could have been done in like half the runtime. Definitely. <laughs> so overall, um, you know, add all of uh, the grades up and uh, mine came out. Oh, actually, what is your pacing grade, by the way? Sorry. Oh, my pacing grade is 81. 81. And yeah, I agree. I like 81 because this is more my kind of paced episode. And that could just be like a personal thing. But I agree with you that it felt like they're just stretching out story through it. But I like the pacing quite a bit. You know, do you, the pacing has been a real issue in this season. And yeah, like I'll agree. I think the pacing at times was a bit problematic even last season. So, uh, but they did a much better job. I think last season of making sure that uh, there's enough story to, to each episode, you know, even if you had some minor quibbles from time to time uh, this season, not nearly as much uh, success, I think. Yeah, no, that's definitely their pacing's very jagged. <laughs> I'll say that much. Like it's either, you know, it's either just meets the mark or it's completely off. Are there any um are there any other negatives you think that that really kind of like other things that might have been bothering you so far this season? Like I I know that we've both been I feel like I keep reiterating this point and I, and I just feel like people are going to bring this up or they'll they'll angrily turn off the episode. Cause I, and I keep bringing this up because I kind of feel guilty about it. Like I, I like we were so effusive in our praise last season, and obviously anybody that listens to this episode or has listened for some time knows that we're big Brian Fuller fans. I mean, we've we've loved him for quite some time. But we're also very big Neil Gaiman fans. Yeah, I've been I've been reading I've read American Gods for you know several times over over the years and. Uh, we dedicated many episodes to actually reading it chapter by chapter uh, on this podcast. So we love Neil Gaiman as well. And we were super excited that um, Brian Fuller was doing this, but I think some people might feel like I'm just down in the season because a Brian Fuller is gone. And because there's been a bunch of behind the scenes turmoil, look, Brian Fuller is gone. Doesn't mean that the season was going to be terrible. Uh, I, I'll be honest. It didn't fill me with a ton of, you know, faith right off the bat, but I thought, okay, they hired a new showrunner, you know, maybe things will be fine. And yes, does the stuff from behind the scenes, does that, does that bother me? Like, yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing. I mean, these things happen on a lot of different shows, but not to this extent, but I will say this. Um, I go into each episode hoping that the show is going to be really good. And yes. I hope I came into the season saying, okay, you know, let's see what they got. You know, let's see what they can do. Let's see what their final product is. And yeah, look, I think to a degree, the behind the scenes turmoil certainly has had an effect on the show. I, I think by this point, I've I've had enough of a sample size to believe that, you know, um, the behind the scenes stuff that was going on had to have an effect. It affected the, the writing of the show. I think it affected the scripts to a certain extent. Um, I think that it's hard to it's hard to prove it because we're not behind the scenes, but I feel like 
it had to have had some kind of effect on the final product. Yeah, and like Neil Gaiman's come out and said that the rumors behind the scenes, like having like drama and stuff like that, he flat out said it's complete bullshit. Which I like if that's bullshit and this is what we're still getting, that really ain't good. Actually, it makes but it worse. So much worse. Like I hope you're you're bullshitting about that because that really scares me. Like this is. We're being pretty generous of what's happening because, you know, we know we had thought we knew that, you know, stuff was going behind the scenes. And I still think that probably a majority of the rumors were true and that that was more or less just, you know, trying to get people to stop talking about it. But I really hope that you know, that's not true. That's, it's better to have turmoil and have it come out like, you know, at least good despite the turmoil than to have no conflict whatsoever and to still just have this so far, it would be a bigger problem. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm trying to be upfront about it too, because I, I don't want people to just think that we're down on this uh, season. And, and I keep, I mean, I probably just keep repeating myself, but it's just that I, I, I just feel kind of, I feel sad, you know? And, yeah. and, you know, we were so happy last season with how overall the season turned out. We were, not quite so happy about the amount of episodes we got, but we were happy with what <laughs> Brian was doing and the direction he was going. And I think overall, yeah, there were some quibbles here and there, I, I thought, throughout the season. But I thought, you know, on the whole, it was a really good season of television. Yeah. Especially and, like we talked about like the last episode being very, you know, just didn't make a lot of sense. And But we knew that because they had to cut two episodes and splice stuff together into these eight episodes and so that made sense you know they did pretty damn well you know having to put squeeze that all in there so that was fine you know it has its you know ups and downs as well but nothing like this and they had two years to make this well it's just to me the season is just marred by honestly a lack of focus for me um characters coming and going and inexplicably I mean, look, even last season, there there was that too. I mean, Audrey disappeared, but I thought well, maybe we'll show, show up again. And there were one-off episodes where we kind of met gods and stuff. I'm not going to pretend like that didn't happen either. Uh, it's just that, you know, at what point in the show are we not just going to meet a god for a one-off all the time? One-off yeah. episode that they show up. And it doesn't even feel like most of the time they're even, you know, creating some kind of tangible um, impact on the episode it seems pretty minor most of the time. So those are the kind of things that really bother me when I watch these episodes and I'm asking myself, well, what's the point of this character? I mean, I guess there is a point. I get it. There are themes and ideas that they're presenting, but they don't seem to really do much and they don't resonate, I think, more often than not for me. And I'm going to break your heart here. Uh, Sam, we're not going to see her again this season. Are you serious? I'm serious. She's only in the, that one episode. What's the, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it's like, you know, like you get to season, you get to season three and people that, you know, let's say you didn't read the book. Okay. Let's say you just started watching the, the American Gods. You listen to this podcast. You're watching only the episodes. You don't know anything in the book beyond what we were already witnessing. And you meet Sam 
She's you're gonna, fascinating. You're going to have a hard time. You get to season three, whenever this thing comes out, you're going to be like, who is that person? I think I vaguely remember a character showing up last year. Give him a ride or something. Something. I don't know. It, 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 that's frustrating. Yeah. That's frustrating. Especially the fact that she was so lovely and so on point. And she's young. Like She's going to look different if this takes another two years to make, you know? Like, well, I get, how, how old's the actress? Let me take a look. She is three years younger than I am. She's 25. Right, so she'll be like 27. And Canadian. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Well, apparently you're happy because she's Canadian. She's one of ours. <laughs> well, you take back Justin Bieber. Fine, you guys. You guys can keep Celine Dion when she goes down there. Ah oh, man. <laughs> uh, well, hey, I don't know. I'll take I'll take her over the Biebs. Sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm, she's over in Ontario. She's on the East Coast. I don't give a damn. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's like you have your own East Coast versus West Coast. Of course. Yeah, okay. Well, that's Vancouver nice. versus Toronto. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, fine. Anyways. Um. All right. So, look. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want people to understand that um, if if you're up on this uh season, uh, great. I'm I'm happy. I'm glad that you love it. It's just that so far, I'm. It's kind of an up and down. It's a bit of a roller coaster. It's mostly still down, though. I mean, some episodes are a little better. Some episodes are worse. But for me, um, last season was probably the low point, um, I think. But this episode, for me, was a little better, but it wasn't that much better. I will say I'm looking forward to the next episode. It sounds interesting. We're going to see Laura and Mad Sweeney. They're going to be going to New Orleans and looking up some voodoo magic. That's in the description. And I'm just like, that sounds like a good time. <laughs> well, let's hope they do something. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because <laughs> it doesn't feel like they're doing a whole heck of a lot right now. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. Well, uh, thank you for listening to us ramble on about American Gods. Season 2, Episode 4, The Greatest Story Ever Told, with a big old asterisk. <laughs> and uh, that's that's my asterisk, asterisk not a real one. Um, all right. So we will see you guys in the next episode. Next week, we'll be doing our review of Episode 5. Uh, Sarah, do you happen to know the title of that episode by chance? The Ways of the Dead. The Ways of the Dead. So Appropriate. Yes, yes definitely. So uh, we'll see you guys next week for Episode 5. The Ways of the Dead. Uh, so until next time, if you'd like to send in email, you can do so by sending it to uh, American Gods Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, Amer- yeah, American Gods Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Hopefully, um, if you have some theories and some opinions, you can let us know whether you liked our breakdown and whether or not you agree with our opinions. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You can also go to freakinggeeks.com, find the page dedicated to this episode, and you can rate and review it just like we do. And you can let us know what you think there as well in the comment section. So, uh, yeah. If you also, oh, by the way, you can um, you can find us on SoundCloud now. So uh, I'll be updating. Uh, so I have a few extra episodes to upload there to get fully caught up, but uh, you can find all of our podcast stuff on there. And you can go to patreon.com 
forward slash freaking geeks and you can support us there as well so yep thank you for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time bye Catholics. Thanks for listening to the American Gods Podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. If you would like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at American Gods Pod or at Freak Geeks.